and Philippians chapter 4. This is the final message in this series. Lessons from a lockdown. This is message number 10. And uh, this is a great message in light of everything that's going on to end on a great thought in Scripture. So Philippians chapter 1, I guess I should turn there with you. Philippians chapter 1, and then Philippians chapter 4. We will start with Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Let's all stand together there at home here in the sanctuary. Stand together to honor God's word as we read it. I'm going to pray, and then we'll read. Father... And thank you that we can be here tonight, and I, just, I ask you to help. I'm thankful. I'm encouraged by, I'm excited by the truth. There's obviously heaviness coming from me and the circumstances, and that's, that's in part why I'm so thankful for what we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be focused on this truth and the implication that it ought to have on our daily life, and then, God, that we would be we would be responsive to it in the ways that you show us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Philippians 4, verse 20. I'm going to begin in verse number 20. The, this mini-series in this series has been glory, greetings, and grace. Verse number 20, now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. And so the last two weeks we talked about the glory that God deserves from our lives. Then we talked about the greeting and the bond that we have in Christ. And now we'll talk about the grace tonight. Verse number 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse number 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you. And peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The thought tonight is this, book ended by grace. Book ended by grace. You may be seated. We've asked God to bless the reading of his word. I have in my um, house and in my office a whole lot of books. And uh, I love having all of these books because it gives people the impression that I'm smart or something like that. And then people get to know me, and they realize, eh, maybe not. No, that's a joke. I have a lot of books. And here's the thing about books. You can throw books up on a shelf, but if you don't stack them exactly right, or they come in all these different shapes and sizes and widths and heights and all of those things, you have... Um, uh, paperback, you have hardcover, you have all sorts of different books. And so you have these different books and they can, they can kind of shift on you. And you know what it's like to take all of this time to meticulously stack up a big shelf of books and then one of them slip 
and boom, 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 they all go tumbling down. You know what that's like. And so they make these wonderful things called bookends. Now, these, these are very plain bookends, but they have very fancy and decorative bookends for the vein among us and uh, for the themed conscious among us. And I actually have some themed bookends. I have some nautical themed bookends. One, one part of the bookend is an anchor, and the other part is uh, the steering wheel of the ship. What is that called? I don't, that home, thank you, something like that, whatever that thing is. And so you have uh, both sides of those books, bookends, and the idea is to put the books together and to keep them fit so that they don't fall off. It keeps them locked in. It keeps them in place. I like this word. It keeps the books on my shelf stable. Okay, here's why that's important. Because there are eight kids in my house. And they're still learning all about barriers. They're still learning about parameters. And even when they respect the parameter, like I don't operate from my kids can come into my room anytime. My room is like my safe haven. And uh, there are times when we have company and stuff like that. And okay, so we have a little bit different rules. But man, my room, I'm kind of protective of my and my wife's room. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to have to teach on that, hallelujah. Some of you parents that are new with children or you're about to have children, you need to have a safe haven from your children, hallelujah, like a tornado shelter. Well, I want my children to have access. Sometimes you need access to sanity. Anyway, man, I'm... so my kids go bouncing around and hitting walls and all of this stuff, and it can shake, but when I've got bookends, it's stable even when there's chaos around it, even when things are fluctuating, even when things are uncertain, even when, even when things are shifting and moving, when those bookends are fitted in there tightly like they need to be, and I, don't, I think I may have put these the wrong way, I'm not sure, however they're supposed to work, when they're fit in there properly, then they keep the books in that row perfectly in order. Paul, as you know, is wrapping up his letter to the church at Philippi, to people that, to believers that he loves very much, and he wants them to, as he concludes, to keep a few things in mind. Number one, to live a life that brings glory to God. Number two, the relationship that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. And now his final words to these believers have to do with the grace of God. And he ends this letter in a, in a very similar way in which he began the letter, and that is referencing the grace that we have access to as children of God. Verse number 23, again, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. I want to point out to you a few things from this verse as just the structure, just reminding you some things about the grace of God. Number one, just by definition, remember that grace is the favor of God. It is His inexhaustible goodness and blessing. It's His kindness. His kindness in creating us and letting us have awareness and life. His kindness in giving us natural resources and blessings that we can 
make use of and that we can benefit of his grace in allowing us to see things and to process and appreciate them like a sunrise or a sunset or an ocean tide or the majesty and shape and power of the mountains or the, the soothing sound of a brook. It's manifested in that. It's manifested, the greatest manifestation would be in salvation in making a way for sinful man who had rebelled against him to be restored to God. It's his forgiveness. It's ability and opportunity. It's having a family. It's having other believers that we can have relationship with. It's help. It's deliverance. It's second and third and fourth and fifth chances. It's hope when we've failed. It's help when we might be hurting or it's comfort when we're afraid it's reassurance when we're uncertain about all of these things. When you talk about the grace of God, it's a broad term for all of the goodness and blessings of God that He disposes or dispenses on our behalf on a daily basis. You know, Paul said this, By the, but for the grace of God, there go I. Or, um, uh, um, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, we, you hear people say things like this, it's by the grace of God. That doesn't mean human effort isn't involved, but a child of God understands that the blessings I get to enjoy or the help that I receive through trials, it's not due to me, it's due to God's favor and kindness and help in my life. And a biblical word to describe, and a, a broad word, if you will, that describes all of that goodness is the word grace. And it's, it's his favor and it's his kindness to us. And it is, it's God doing for us and God doing in us what we need for every single moment of life. It's his grace. It's, a, it's manifested in salvation. It's manifested when there's tension. It's manifested when there's sickness. It's manifested when there's loss. It's manifested when there's abundance. It's manifested when there's ability and opportunity. It's manifested when there's a lack of ability or a lack of opportunity. It's manifested when things are really good. It's manifested when things are really bad. But His grace is His favor, His goodness, His presence that gives us what we need for every single season and circumstance of life. Now notice how Paul describes it, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is authored by Jesus Christ. Paul didn't say the, the favor and blessing of God because you're such good people. He described it as the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is favor, but it is unmerited favor. Meaning this, we don't get it because we deserve it. Here's the danger, and many of God's people fall into this. They enjoy the blessings of God, but they have this attitude. I deserve this. Okay, from a, I'm not talking about from the human perspective, but when you're thinking God perspective, no, you're a sinner against Him. You're far less, and you are imperfect. You have violated His holiness. If we're just being biblically accurate, I don't deserve any good thing that I've received. No, I have worked hard, and I have tried to do right, and I do try to do right, and I do try to continue working hard, and I do try to do well and do good, but if I ever think 
that I deserve anything because of me, then I don't understand who I am in relation to who God is. It's unmerited favor. It's not given to me. Look at the grace in having the parents and the in-laws that I have. I look at the grace in having the family that I have. I look at the grace in having the wife that I have, the children that I have, the church family, the fellowship of believers that I have. I look at all of these things, and I don't think I have them because I deserve them. I have them because God is gracious to me. It's unmerited favor. Okay, but get this. Just because it's free to you doesn't mean it was free. God, God is love, but God is also holy, meaning that holiness has to be satisfied. And it couldn't be satisfied by us because we're imperfect and we're flawed and we can't ever live up to a standard that he says that's good enough to compensate for all of the other things you've done wrong and all of the weak spots that you have. No, it had to be satisfied by a perfect sacrifice. And the Old Testament sacrifices were types of that. And the ultimate sacrifice, the final sacrifice, is in the person of God the Son, Jesus Christ, all God, all man, living a sinless life and becoming sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. And so now I am a worthy recipient of grace. That's a big statement. No, I'm a worthy recipient of grace. You said you didn't deserve it. Right, I don't deserve it. But his righteousness is attributed to me, and I am worthy in him. His worthiness makes me worthy. It was through that sacrifice that I can receive grace. Jesus offered it. He he wrote the check for my grace. And it's cashed on his account every single day of my life. Number three, I'm, I'm breaking this verse down a lot, but notice it. Grace is tailor-made for the individual. Notice this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, he says you all, and so there is a plural sense, but there's also a singular sense in this. We'll deal with the plural in a moment, but God knows that his people are individuals, and that my need won't be your need. Exactly the same. My burden won't exactly be your burden. My struggle won't exactly be your struggle. My victory won't exactly be your same victory. My losses won't exactly be your losses. My shortcomings won't necessarily be your shortcomings. You see, every every life involves some level of struggle, heartache, burden, opportunity, possibility, loss, failure, all of those things, but they're, they're not exactly the same. And the need for Jonathan Pyle won't be exactly the same as the need for Brother Fiavi or for Mrs. Fiavi. There will be similarities at times, perhaps, but there will be unique things that they experience in their life and in their journey for Jesus Christ that I don't experience, and there will be unique burdens and challenges and opportunities that I experience that they do not experience. And God doesn't always, he doesn't seek to explain why. 
Some people go through this and some people go through that. Some people have this hardship and other people don't. Some people have this opportunity and other people don't. Some people have this loss and other people don't. He doesn't seek to justify or explain all those reasons because he's God and he doesn't have to. But he makes his people a promise that whatever I allow for your life, you will have my help for it. You'll have my grace for it. You will have what you need in those moments. You'll have it. Grace is available to all. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I like, I like this idea. Number one, anyone can be saved. Anyone can be saved. I will continue as I have opportunity from Scripture to at least reference this. God does not say, you get to be saved and you don't get to be saved. I have made that decision for you, and that's the end of the story. That is not how he works. Do we believe in predestination as the scripture teaches it? Absolutely. But we also must balance predestination with the foreknowledge of God and understand what he says he predestinates us to and what he does not reference at all. God says, whosoever will may come. Hallelujah. It's an invitation. And you can, anyone can be saved. I, I like this. Everyone who is saved has God's inexhaustible supply of grace from which they can benefit from. There, there are movements, I'm using this loosely, in Christian circles. I use that term very loosely. There are movements in Christian circles that teach a spiritual hierarchy or experience of grace and like the more that, the more that you achieve for him, then he'll give you little bits and more knowledge and all of these things. No, there is a growth process. I get that. But a person who is saved today has as much access to who God is as a person who's been saved for 50 years. And a person who gets saved in a prison cell it has as much access to who God is as a person who is pastoring a church. Now, there's different levels of awareness and understanding. There has to be growth. I get that. But you have access to the grace of God. You, when you get saved, you get all of God. You don't get God in fractions. You get him. You are completely his child. Your awareness of that needs to increase, but you get him. And so everyone who is saved has God's inexhaustible supply of grace. And then think about this. Grace brings stability when life is unstable. Consider what the Philippian believers were facing. I alliterated this part for Brother Z. Consider this, they're facing persecution from without. Talk about the persecution that Paul faced. You talked about, the, you think about the persecution that they were going to face. Look, it's only logical. If Paul suffered while he was in Philippi for preaching the gospel, there was a very good chance they were going to suffer for following Jesus Christ as well. Paul was aware of that. There was going to be suffering. There were problems from within. Think about the problems that we referenced in chapter 4. Between the two ladies, Yodius and Syntyche, they were both daughters of God. They were both children of God, but they had let some things come between them that was causing friction and strife, and they had these internal problems that were going on, and oftentimes we have the same internal problems. We have struggles with one another, and we have sin in our own life, and we have these challenges that we have to deal with. Then you think about the poverty that they were dealing with. In 
chapter 4, when Paul's talking about being abased and abounding, he says in verse number 19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He said those things because there was a very real concern about physical provision and necessities of life. And as they were giving to the work of the gospel through Paul, they were incurring greater needs upon themselves when they were already struggling with great poverty. And Paul is aware of those things. He's aware of the persecution because he dealt with it himself. He was aware of the problems because he was dealing with them, but he also had his own struggles. He was aware of the poverty because he gave testimony of it in chapter 4. And yet he ends the book. In, in referencing and dealing with some of those things, he ends this letter to the Philippians this way. I want to remind you of how I started, the grace of God. This is what we would say about the Apostle Paul. Evidence of Scripture is this. He lived a very stable life. He lived a very stable faith through very unstable circumstances. Prison, shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, falsely accused, lied about, betrayed, and yet this is what you find Paul consistently doing, following Jesus Christ. Can I, can I say it this way? Can I go back to the illustration? The shelf around Paul was constantly shaken, but his life was stable. You know why? Grace. The grace of God. The grace of God was with him when he was in prison. The grace of God helped him when he was shipwrecked. The grace of God helped him when he doubted and was afraid. The grace of God helped him when he was preaching and people were being saved. The grace of God helped him when he was preaching and people were picking up rocks. The grace of God helped him when he had a warm place to sleep. The grace of God helped him when he was shivering in the cold and couldn't find rest. The grace of God helped him when he enjoyed a warm meal. The grace of God helped him when there was no meal. There was... There, were, there was constant shifting all around him, and yet there was stability because his life was bookended by grace. The grace that saved him, he learned to depend upon it. He learned to trust in God for it, and he learned to live in the power of it. A life that is bookended by grace can be stable even in times of instability. Now here's the danger. You see, we all have, as children of God, we all have access to his grace, but the danger is that we don't live off of that supply. Here's the problem. We're all going to face things that make us angry. We're all going to face things at some point that make us afraid. We're going to face things that make us despair. We're going to face things that could make us bitter. We're going to face things that make us want to quit. We're going to face things that could potentially make us proud. We have grace available, but we get our eyes off of who is the one that blesses and sustains and helps, and then we can give in to that anger. We can give in to that fear. We can give in to that despair, that bitterness, that desire to quit, that arrogance and that pride. We can allow, here's some things that can happen. We can allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies. For example... God convicts you about something that you're doing, and you say, you say, no, I, I'm going to hold on to this. I refuse to let this go. It doesn't mean that you're not saved, but you're going to deprive yourself of some of the help 
of God in your life until you humble yourself. Look, that's in Scripture, and there are plenty of people here who can give testimony to that, that it's not, it's not that you don't have access to His grace, but you can't benefit from it when you're fighting against Him, when you're fighting against His desire to help you and to work in you. Okay, for, for example, I have a whole lot of blessings I want to bless my children with. They have access to them, but they have to be willing to submit themselves and to do right in order to, not in order to have the benefit from all of this. And you say, man, I really, I really need God's help. I really need, I really need God to work. Well, you need to, if it seems like, man, I'm just, I'm really struggling, you need to ask yourself, is there an area where I've hardened my heart against God? Number two, you might refuse to use the means God gives us to learn about his grace and to have his help. I believe God made things in, in the right way, easily accessible for us. For example, how do you, what are one of the things we're told to do to access God? Are you ready? Pray. And I don't know why he works this way. It's not that it's not available. It's just sometimes we're not tapping into it because we're not praying like we need to. I tell my children this. Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm thirsty. And you've done this before. Hey, hungry. Hey, thirsty. He said it in, in verse number in verse number six. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So many times we struggle to live off of his help because we're simply not seeking him like we need to. There is a grace and an understanding of God that comes through learning his word. You'd be amazed at how much God can help you with daily life if you would daily be in this book. So many people were so kind to Alexandra and just cards and all of that. Here's one of my favorite messages was this. Just an encouragement to her to know and obey the word of God. I'm so thankful for that. Just told her, yeah, right. Amen, sister. You have, there is, he can help you understand him and help you through things when you, when you are in the Bible. Now, please don't misunderstand. These don't cause you to, you, you don't lose your salvation. And therefore, you don't lose his grace, but it's possible to live below the resources that he makes available. Let me give you just a few examples, and then we'll be done. There are many of God's people who have had to go through the loss of a child. Don't speak about those kinds of losses lightly or with any kind of silliness. Please, please understand that for some people, they get very bitter, but other people have help that is unexplainable. You say, where does that come from? Some people tap into the grace. No, no, it's hard for everybody. But some people say, I hate and I will be bitter, and other people say, I hurt and I hate that this happened, but I'm going to trust the God that loves me. That loves my child. 
and they have something that we call grace. There are lots of people that have suffered hurt in marriage, in work, in churches. And uh, children of God go through very similar things. And some of them get violent and resentful. And they say, I'm going to pay back fire with fire. But then others have a humility and a desire to seek the welfare, not just of themselves, but of even of those that have hurt them. You say, what's the difference? They all have access to grace. Some people choose to tap into it, and others do not. There are people that suffer poverty. God's people suffer poverty. Look, God doesn't promise that he's going to give us everything that we want, and he doesn't promise that we'll never go through trials. And I believe we're getting really close in America to experiencing some physical trials that we've been generations without. Just, I hope I'm wrong. I think things are coming. There are people, God's people, who suffer poverty. They suffer the loss of some things. And some get really jealous, but others learn contentment. What is that? Is that some have more of something that, no, people just choose to, God, I'm going to trust you even when I don't like it. And I'm going to believe in your grace. Here's the thing about grace. If he was good enough to save us, then he'll be good enough to give us everything else that we need, regardless of what life looks like. Grace is not a promise that I get what I want. Grace is a promise that God will always be for me what I need him to be in those moments of life. A life that is bookended by grace can be stable even in times of instability. So I want to ask you, does your life look more like this or more like this? It's not that the grace isn't there. It's that sometimes we just need to tap into him a little bit better, a little bit more. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. just a moment, Brother Nate will begin to sing. So, two, actually three, three simple questions. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, I'm just going to ask you to ponder them. Number one, is there some sin in your life? I'm not talking about I sin every day and I have to ask God's forgiveness for something. I'm talking about Is there an area God has convicted you of that you are hardening your heart about and you refuse to make it right? You refuse to submit yourself. You continue in sin. God forbid. Number two, are you struggling to tap into the supply that is available through the simple means of prayer and Bible? It's a, I don't know, I don't understand how it all works. I just know that it does, that when God's people pray and when they read his word, God does in them and God helps them in some amazing ways. And you get from that time what you can't get from any other time. Just the communion with God and the chance to cry out to him. 
Number three, are you struggling with something you don't understand that's hard and you're, you're teetering on hatred, you're teetering on resentment, you're teetering on self-pity, you're teetering on quitting. And I'm not telling you what you're going through and facing isn't hard. I'm just telling you that God's help is available through His grace. And I'm going to ask a fourth thing. Has it been a little while since you thank God for His grace in your life? Maybe tonight your struggle isn't any of those things, but it's just you aren't grateful like you need to be for the goodness of God and His grace and saving and His grace and helping. So however God has spoken to you, if He has, then you be responsive to Him. For those in the sanctuary, I want to ask you if He spoke to you, then spend some time responding in your home, he spoke to you. Spend some time responding. Father, thank you for your love and your grace and what you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. As Brother Nate sings, respond to the Lord. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
and we will cease doing the team assemblies beginning on Sunday night, and from then on, I'm going to leave it up to your discretion um, as to when and how often you assemble, and just want to encourage you to trust God and to be obedient to Him and to do what you know. You have to be convinced of what you ought to do, and then just keep in mind um, what I've tried to communicate about our nation and the burden that we all ought to have for it, and and to try to have a biblical perspective. And and then, you know, I'll I'll say more about this. There is a difference, and Christians can fall into this trap. There is a difference sometimes between an American perspective and a Christian perspective. And and I believe that God has blessed America, and I believe that there are times when those being pro-American and all of that aligns with being pro-God. But there are times when those two things aren't aligned, and, and we need to recognize that. And we're not... We're not assembling, and I'm passionate that people understand this. We're not assembling to thumb our nose at anybody. We're assembling because I believe it would be honoring to God. It would be what's best for his people, and it would be what's best for our nation that we be assembling. When God's people do what they're supposed to do, it's only good for the nation that they inhabit. So I love you. appreciate you. I am, I am looking forward to Sunday, but it's not, it's not going to be a high-fiving Sunday, and there will be... On Sunday night, I, I want you to be prepared to stay a little bit longer because there's going to be a serious amount of time given to prayer. I'm not setting a clock or anything like that, but we are going to have a time of prayer. And so I just want to ask you to be ready and in the right frame of mind for those things. I love you. I hope you have a great weekend. And I look forward to seeing you on the live stream or being with you on the live stream Sunday morning and then being with you on Sunday night and here and on the live stream. Hope you have a great week, weekend. You are dismissed. Have a good night. All right, thanks everybody. Sure to love you, appreciate you. Same, same. See ya.